This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, here we are, the third sermon in our series for biblical prophecy so far. And we're doing Are You Ready? Number three. It's the second coming. The water breaks. Mark 13, 14 to 23. If you want to turn in your pause and turn in your Bibles to that, Mark 13, 14 to 23. This is the water break. This is when everything hits the fan. We've been talking about birth. And this is when we looked at the birth pains and the contractions. But this is when everything hits the fan at this point here. Uh, it reminds me of on the farm when we, when calves were born, calves were born, and I used to always tell Kim, Kim, all when we first got married, I was like, you, you have to see a baby calf born. It's just such a special time. It's awesome. You'll love it. It's just magical. Thank God. Little House on the Prairie, the Waltons. And so, but she never was there when her calf was going to be born. And finally, we had just gotten married when we were at my house on Christmas. And Christmas morning, and my dad came in and said, Chuck, come and help me. Come and help me. One of the cows is having a, a baby. It was actually a heifer, first calf heifer. And first time it was going to have a, a, a calf. And so he said, come out and help. And it was like five in the morning. I'm like, oh, gosh. But oh, wait, this is perfect. Christmas morning, baby Jesus, the magical birth. And I woke him up and said, come on, this is your chance to finally see a calf born. I woke up at five in the morning. And so she got up and she came out. And we get out there. It was bad. It was bad. It was, uh, it was the first time this heifer was going to have a baby, but it turned out it was a bull and it was a huge bu baby bull coming out, but not coming out. It was just a horrible. Usually we help out. We, you know, we grab a hold of legs and we do a little pulling and get the calf out and help the mom get the baby out. A lot of times they can have it on their own, but when it's the first time they're giving birth and it's a large boy, a, a little bull, uh, it's really, really hard. And here, then we got to really try to get that baby out as fast as we can. We, uh, we were tying ropes. We tied the, the twine, the, the little belling twine around the, the calves legs and we were pulling. And then we put a, a pipe through the, the twine and we were pulling. And then we put a rope because it was not come out. This cow, this poor, Cow was laying on the ground, bellowing, having a hard time, and we put a, a rope around that pipe, and then we would take it back and hook it around one of the the pipes further back, like we were, because the, there were stanchions and stalls and and water pipes, and we would put it around there, and you'd hold it, and then you, we would walk. The cow was there. We would walk up the rope to create so much tension to try to get this calf out. And while this is going on, this was crazy. And normally my dad's really laid back, mild mannered. But, but, <laughs> Kim still is traumatized by this. Yeah, but when, when there's a, a thousand dollar cow at the time and a hundred dollar calf at the time, uh, gonna die, he gets crazy, you know, and it goes into the crazy farmer mode. And he was yelling at us and screaming at us and using barn talk. And Kim was like shocked because she never even heard him raise his voice before. And, and here she, her job was to do the rope. Pull the rope and as we walked up it, she was supposed to turn and pull it back. And she didn't really know what she was doing. So my dad would be like screaming at her using barn talk words. And she was like, I'm doing the best I can, you know, and blankety blank, pull the rope. You know, it was like crazy, crazy. So, uh, she was, she was shocked. I had never seen that side of my dad, but we weren't. This is all part of getting calf out of the cow. You know, we we're used to that and we we're all in that mode. And so, but we were just trying so hard to get this calf out 
Christmas morning, you know. Uh, it was like horrible. And finally, finally, after seemed like an hour of walking up the rope and pulling and this cow bellowing and bellowing, and we finally get the calf out, and it was dead. It was dead. It was already, it was too late. It was already dead. A huge bull calf, you know, way too big for this, this uh, heifer. It happens sometimes. It's just one of those things. And, but it was dead. But the, now we're trying to save the cow. But the cow was in such a mode that, that it couldn't stop pushing. The birth, she just kept pushing and pushing. And she did something called casting your, its withers. Casting the withers, the cow cast it. It really was pushing out its, her insides, the intestines. That was so horrible. She just kept pushing. And we're trying to get her to stop and pushing and trying to get her to stop. And it was crazy. And finally, the vet, she was just laying there exhausted. It was Everybody's wiped out Christmas morning. <laughs> and the vet comes. See, if you want to be a vet for cows, you got, you know, big animal vet, you got to be ready to go anytime. And he came out on Christmas morning, he got there like six in the morning, and he's trying to save this cow. And he's pushing the withers, we'll just call it withers, casting withers, pushing the withers back in. He got it back in. He's sewing her up. He's cleaning. He's cutting stuff. He's cleaning it, disinfecting, sewing, you know, stitching. Uh, he got it back in and that cow survived. She survived. Uh, I'm not sure if Kim did. After uh, we went into the house and, and my mom was like, what happened? What happened? I said, well, we, uh, I, you know, I said, well, we saved the cow, but Kim killed the calf. I blamed her for the calf dying. Yeah, and she didn't appreciate that. After that, it's a, a miracle that she ever had a, a child, much less 13 children, after she witnessed that birth, right? Uh, that, so, but it was just a terrible, terrible, uh, Christmas morning, a terrible memory. And that's really what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at when it all hits the fan. We're going to look at when when the the water breaks, I call it the water breaks, and the casting the withers. The birth comes next week. We're going to see that when Jesus comes again. Uh, Jesus coming again. But but really, this is when it really hits the fan. And we've been looking at the second coming of Jesus, the birth process. Jesus used that picture of birth pains. Remember, we talked about birth pains, the false Christs, the wars, the earthquakes, the famines. Then we used the contractions, although really, I'm, I'm just putting them into categories that you can understand, the contractions, which was persecution, apostasy, false prophets, wickedness, worldwide witness, and we saw how these contractions are increasing in frequency and intensity, very clear that it's getting closer and closer. Uh, just, I was just saw something on the apostasy. I talked about the apostasy happening worldwide, but even in the United States alone, and I just saw, uh, just saw an I was reading something just yesterday that it says New Barna study. George Barna does all these studies of the church. It says more Americans believe in Satan than believe in God. You talk about apostasy. It said a new study reveals shocking information about what exactly Americans believe. It found that roughly half, 51% of American adults have a traditional biblical view of God as the all-powerful, all-knowing creator. A dramatic decrease from 73% in 1991. Wow. 51% believe in what we would call the Christian God. Of those who believe in Jesus, more say he sinned than didn't. 44% of those who believe in Jesus say he sinned. Only 41% said he did not sin. And get this, more people believe in Satan. 
56% believe in the Satan than in God, the, the Christian God. Shocking. More believe in Satan now than in God. Is, is that crazy? That, you talk about apostasy. So, looking at the birth pains contractions today, we're going to see the next step in the birth process. The water breaks. When this happens, there's a big increase. If you've ever had a baby, I haven't, but I've seen it. Uh, there's a big increase in the pressure and in the intensity. It all hits the fan, just like the cow, you know, the casting the weathers. It all hits the fan. And that's what we're going to see today here in Mark 13. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how it. we have confidence that it's teaching us what's happening and what's going to happen and how we can trust it, especially because of the prophecies that are fulfilled, uh, that have already been fulfilled through, G through Jesus Christ and many other ways, but also the ones that we see being fulfilled in our day, in our time right now. We just thank you for that. And I just pray that this would increase our faith and prepare us for what we're going to face. And also, if anybody here who's listening, watching this, has never put their faith in Jesus, that they would do it because of the Word of God today. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what is the water break? It's really the dam breaking. The dam breaks and, and here it comes. And let's see what the, the water break involves here in Mark 13, Mark 13, 14 to 20 we'll start with. Mark thirteen fourteen to 20, Jesus said, When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in the winter because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he will shorten them." The abomination that causes desolation, this is called, this is the Antichrist. The Antichrist, describing the Antichrist here. When we get into the book of Revelation, Daniel and Revelation later on, <clears throat> we're going to go into this in detail, the Antichrist. But this is the Antichrist, the abomination that causes desolation. This comes from Daniel 9.27, <clears throat> where he says, he will confirm a covenant with many for the seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. And we're going to see this when we go into Daniel, into Revelation. This is talking about the Antichrist. If you, if what we'll see in our study is that the Antichrist will head up the revived Roman Empire. We're going to see this when we get to Daniel and Revelation. He's going to head up the revived Roman Empire. He will be a superman, a superman who solves the world's problems. He's going to bring world peace. He's going to take care of global warming. He's going to help people with food and water and deal with the coronavirus, the pandemics. He's going to be able to do it all. And if the rapture has already happened, if God has already taken up his church at this point, the world's going to be in chaos. The world's going to already be in chaos. The USA will be gutted. Uh, 50% of Americans claim to be born again, so we'll half the country, well, only 6% have a biblical worldview. So somewhere between 6% and 50% of Americans will be, will be gone. You can imagine what that's going to be like. 
So, the Antichrist <clears throat> will even solve the Middle East crisis. Somehow he's going to work out a temple for the Jews. Sacrifices will be being made again. This is all throughout Revelation and uh, Daniel. He, he's going to sign a covenant with Israel for seven years. Seven years. They're going to think he's a great guy, maybe even the Messiah, but he's really their worst nightmare. Their worst nightmare, it's the start of the doomsday clock. Think of the Holocaust times a thousand. That's what it's going to be like for Israel. He's really building the temple for himself. For himself, because he's possessed by the God of this world, by Satan himself. He's possessed. And, and Satan wants to be worshipped, and he will be worshipped through the Antichrist. And so for three and a half years, he's going to have this deal. Israel's going to think everything's great. They're going to have their temple. But then he's going to break the deal and set up the abomination that causes desolation. What is that? His own image. His own image. An idol of himself will be set up in the temple to be worshipped. We see this prophesied in Daniel. Jesus reinforces this in Mark and Matthew. We get a full picture when in time. We're going to be really studying this in Revelation 13. In Revelation 13, verse 1, starting with verse 1. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but he had the feet of, of uh, like those of a bear and the mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have been seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All those whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. I'm going to read that one again. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is going to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is going to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. So we see the the Antichrist here, and we're going to once again study this in detail in Revelation. He's the head of the revived Roman Empire, which is what the European Union is forming right now. He's the seventh head. That is the Antichrist, the seventh head. He survives the, the, the death wound. It's a miracu miraculous counterfeit of Jesus Christ's resurrection. He's killed He's filled with, with the dragon who is Satan. That's who brings him alive. It's a complete demonic possession, completely energized by Satan himself. Think of the Avengers and the villains in the Avengers when they absorbed some, the, one of the evil guy's powers and become like that evil guy that enters him. That's, that's what it reminds me of. And he demands to be worshipped or death. Give me life or death. Give me worship or death. And the, just like the Roman emperors did with the New Testament church 
and the persecution. They said, either worship me, the emperor, or you're going to die. And that's what happened. It's the same thing. This is the revived Roman Empire. This is the, the man heading this up. It's the, in the second half of the Great Tribulation. It's a seven-year period, but the second half, the last three and a half years of the planet Earth before Jesus Christ's second coming, the Christians and faithful Jews will be martyred by the millions by the millions. There's another key person to watch out for when the dam breaks, when the water breaks again. Another key person to watch out for, Mark 13, Mark 13, verse 21. Oop, I gotta go back. Mark 13, verse 21. At that time, if it Anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. So we see the, uh, here in this part now, the, uh, the, we're gonna actually, this is actually referring to the false prophet. The false prophet. We've already talked about false prophets in the birth pains and the contraction phase, but this time at the water break phase, there's a culmination showed, shown by a false prophet, the false prophet, shown by his ability to do miracles and deceive. We get the full picture. This is alluded to the full picture once again back in Revelation 13. In Revelation 13, picking it up with verse 11 now. Keep in mind what we just read in Mark, and now we see the false prophet. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb. Interesting. But he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf, on behalf of the Antichrist, and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power, he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast. For it is a man's number, his number is 666. Wow. Can't buy or sell without this mark. Can you imagine that? After the coronavirus, we can easily imagine having some kind of a mark or a chip or something that we can't buy or sell that takes our temperature, that tells everybody where we are at all times, that we can't go into the store uh, or buy without this. We can easily see this happening very, very quickly, can't we? But this, this, the false prophet, the false prophet, he looks like a lamb. He looks like a lamb. He seems harmless, like a lamb. Maybe even Christianish, like a lamb. The, even a Christian type person. He's religious for sure. Think of the one world religion in Rome. We can connect the dots to what we've already talked about. He looks like a lamb, but he has a dragon's breath. It says he has a dragon's breath. Not because he needs a tic-tac, but because Satan has inspired him. Satan is, is filling him. And his goal is a one world church that will worship Satan through his Antichrist. 
you know, the mantra now out there, we all worship the same God. We talked about that last time. We all worship the same God. It's true. Not Christians, and not the faithful Jews, and not, not true Christians, but everybody else in the world does worship the same God. They all, and now it's going to be exposed. They all worship Satan. That's who they're really worshiping. You either worship Jehovah God, His Son Jesus Christ, to get to God, or if we aren't, if we're not a true Christian or a faithful Jew, then then you then everybody is worshiping Satan, as we will finally see here. And he will deceive with miracles. He will send fire from heaven. He will have this occult power. Why does God allow the Antichrist and the false prophet to have this kind of power? In 2 Thessalonians 2, it tells us why. In 2 Thessalonians 2, starting with verse 1, this is why God lets this happen. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Woo! We just read about that, didn't we? All of it. Then we go down to verse 9. The the coming of the lawless one, we're talking about the Antichrist, will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. I'm going to see that, read that again. They perish <clears throat> because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. God allows this Antichrist, this power, the false prophet, this power, because people have refused his grace. They refuse God's truth. They have crossed the line of God's mercy and grace. And now he's given them over to a delusion. He's given them up and given up on them. They've crossed that line, that, that, that eternal line. Warning. This is a warning. If we consistently refuse God's truth, he will ultimately give us over to the lie of our choice. If we consistently refuse his truth, he will ultimately give us over to the lie of our choice. We see this with churches and denominations. They turn their back on the word of God. They, they no longer follow it or preach it or teach the gospel. And when they do that, they die out. The Holy Spirit de de departs. The lampstand is removed. We see this happening. We see it in the United States today. That How can we be doing all these crazy things? We You, you watch the news, read the news, how, whatever you get the news, listen to it. How can we do these insane things? It's because we've rejected God and He's given at least half the country over to a delusion. I'm afraid that we have crossed the line. We've, I'm afraid that we have crossed that line. There's so many crazy things that have, have been going on in, in the world. Just Planned Parenthood selling baby parts. It's sick. It's beyond demonic. 
It's better enough killing the babies, but they're making money selling the body parts. It's it's unbelievable. And it, when, once we cross that line, he will give us over. We see that with individuals with addictive sins. The, we call it addiction. The Bible calls it besetting sins. Sins that so easily entangle. And, then, and when that happens, it, God finally, after we just keep going to it, go to it, finally God just gives us over. It, it takes us over. We, we see it with people who won't put their faith in Jesus Christ. They hear the gospel. They hear that Jesus Jesus died on the cross for them. They hear that they can be forgiven, but they keep on rejecting, keep on rejecting. And there comes a time when finally the heart is hardened, is hardened. I've seen it. People on their deathbed, and I plead with them, but their heart has been hardened by rejecting the gospel so many times. It's become callous. Their minds and hearts have become calloused. There, there is only one protection from this delusion in the end time, from this, this lie in the end time, there's only one protection now and later in Revelation. There's only one protection from this deception and falling for this lie, and that is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only protection. Back to Mark 13, verse 22. Mark 13, verse 22, where it says, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect if that were possible. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. The only protection is if we have, if we are the elect, if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only protection. The only protection is putting our faith. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in to you. And, and, and we can see and we can understand and, and only the elect won't be deceived. The only way to survive this delusion, the only way to survive the delusion that's coming on the whole earth, Revelation 13 verse 8. Revelation 13 verse 8 where it says, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Our only protection, the only way we can avoid this delusion is if our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, the moment you give your life to Jesus, the moment you say, God, I repent of my sin, I put my faith in Jesus, what he did on the cross for me. I, I, I want to have the new life that I get through his resurrection power. The moment you pray that prayer, the Holy Spirit comes in and your eyes, our blinded eyes are open, our, our stopped up ears are un, un, unstopped up, we can hear and we can understand, our, our minds all of a sudden can understand, we have this, the fire of the Holy Spirit in our heart. It's a whole new world, a whole new world. That is our only protection. Have you, has your name been written in the book of life, in the Lamb's book of life? If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, it is, but if you haven't, do it today. We're going to pray in just a moment. Do it today. And then as Christians, even after we become Christians, we still must practice discernment. It's easy to get, to be conformed to the world and be squeezed. We have to practice discernment because the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. He's already deceiving. Even many Christians are being deceived by the Antichrist. But first, uh, he's already at work. First John 4, 1 John 4 verse 3 says this, uh, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist, Satan's spirit, is already 
preparing the way for the Antichrist to come. He's already softening the people up. He's already working on, on us and on our minds. We have to learn to discern. Don't listen to the world's lies. Don't, it doesn't matter what the press, what the president, what the pope, what anybody says. It doesn't matter. What I, I keep saying the three Ps, the press, the president, or the pope. It doesn't matter what they say. And when I say the pope, I'm talking about a, a religious leader. Could be a Protestant one, could be a Catholic one, could be any religious leader that goes against God's word and that, that doesn't matter what they say. We must know God's word. We must believe it. We must live God's word. It's vital because the day of testing is near. The day of testing is near. Revelation 13. I'm going to read verse 8 again. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Here we go. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. We, we are coming up to the day of testing. We're gonna come, we're gonna come up to a, a, a brutal time of spiritual warfare. But some of you say, wait, what about the rapture? Won't we already be gone? We can hope that. We can pray for that because the, the, the idea on the rapture, when, when God takes his church up out of this world as it's getting hammered, it, <clears throat> there's a pre-tribulation idea that before the seven years hit, that's when God will take the church up. There's the middle of the tribulation, the pre-wrath position. Before he really hammers us, he's going to bring us up. Or we're going to have to go through the whole tribulation then be brought up. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I was raised in a church that was pre-trib. I was trained thoroughly in that. But I have to admit, it's not clear. I, I, I tell everybody, pray for pre-trib, but prepare for mid or post. Be prepared for, because it is not a slam dunk. It is not clear. I know I'm upsetting some of my friends, but it's not clear. It's not a clear, clear teaching. It's something we can hope for and we can pray for, but we better be prepared for any one of the positions. And that is the only responsible way to teach this, that we should be prepared. Because what if we're wrong and it's not pre-trip? People's faith is going to, their faith is going to crumble. They're going to be shocked. They're not going to know how to, 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 to live through the, the half of the tribulation or the whole tribulation. I encourage everybody to pray for pre-trib, but prepare for mid or post-trib rapture. That's what we should do. So we don't know. We may have to go through a lot, but we don't have to be afraid. God will give us the grace at the time. It's going to take incredible grace to get through this, amazing grace to get through it. And, and we, we, he will give the grace when it's needed, but we just need to be practicing faithfulness, living by faith now. It's the small tests that we're facing that are key. If we, if we're, that are preparing us for the much bigger ones, if we're fighting these smaller battles, it's going to prepare us for the much bigger ones. If we cave and collapse it, with the small trials, the small temptations, we won't be ready for this big one here. In Revelation, right? Think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to be doing Daniel right after this. Uh, these first four. We're going to move into the book of Daniel. Think of all they went through: the fire, Daniel, and the, uh, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Daniel in the lions. Then, how did they do that? Because they passed the small test, the test of the food that led up to that. They passed that small test. They were prepared for the bigger test. And that's the key for us is, is to be ready. Are we ready for the big test? Are we ready for the end times testing? As Christians, what trials are we facing now? 
Are we giving up? Are we crumbling? Are we, or are we coasting? Are we learning to, the, to, to, to fight these battles? What test are we taking? Have we been deceived? Are we compromising? Are we battling? Are we freaking out in fear? Think of the coronavirus and so many people are involved in this right now. Easy test to look at how we're doing. Are we freaking out or do we have faith? Are we living in fear or do we have faith? This is, the coronavirus is nothing compared to the book of Revelation. This is a teeny little ripple compared to what we could be facing in a very, very short time. What the world will be facing in a short time. Maybe as Christians, uh, we, we just have to be ready for that. We have to be ready for that. Maybe here and you're not a Christian yet. You're not ready for this test because you will be completely deceived. There's only one escape and that's through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to be able to really see and understand and, and escape this, this judgment that's coming on the earth. And that is we have to be saved by faith. That's when the, we let the Holy Spirit come and our eyes are open. And that's when John 3.16 is talking about, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Have you ever believed in Jesus Christ? You might know all about him, but have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? His death on the cross for you, for our sins. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you asked him to forgive you and to give you a new life in, in, in Jesus Christ? Have you asked for that life? You can do that right now. The simple prayer of faith. There's no rituals. There's no religious person that can help you with this. This is just between us and God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's that simple and yet that deep and powerful. The prayer of faith, God, please forgive my sin. Forgive me. I repent. I turn away from that old life. Forgive me because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. My faith in his death on that cross. My faith in his resurrection from the dead. My faith in Jesus to give me a new life now and forever. I give my life to you. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, or if you do pray that prayer of faith, then something amazing has happened. The Holy Spirit has come into you. God's Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You're going to be shocked at what you can now see and understand from God's Word and, and in the world, seeing God's hand. You're going to be shocked at what you can see. And that's what's going to help you survive the tribulation going to help you survive this time of testing that's going to come upon the earth. You're going to be able to survive the persecution fires and, and live in eternity with God someday, whether you get through the tribulation alive or whether you, we are martyred and go into God's presence immediately or if we're raptured at some point in there, whatever, we will be with God forever and His Son Jesus. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how are we doing on the testing? How are we doing on the testing? Are we handling the small test, preparing us for the much bigger test? 
What is God showing us? Maybe the coronavirus, which is a nothing test, really, but it's exposed fear and it's exposed something in our heart and in our life. It's exposed idols in our lives and and depending on something besides Jesus Christ in our life and prioritizing something besides God's kingdom in our life. Father, I pray for each person who is watching and listening to this. I pray that we would be awake spiritually. I pray for each person that they would know for sure they put their faith in Jesus that they've truly been born again, that they're truly disciples of Jesus Christ. And I pray that for each of us that we would pass the tests that you are putting into our path, preparing us for much, much bigger tests. I pray that we would be different from the world. I pray that we would be like Jesus Christ, holy, not just saved, but sanctified. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Once again, if you would like to contact me anytime, maybe you put your faith in Christ and you don't have someone to share that with, you don't have a church, local church you can share that with, you can email me, nhcc at comcast.net, and I will encourage you and be excited for you and also help you find a good Christian fellowship to connect with. Okay? All right, next time we're going to do number four, the last part of this series here of, of being ready for Jesus Christ's return. Then we'll go into Daniel and Revelation. Thank you.